Thank you for joining us for our weekly Calvary Church podcast. During this sermon series, Raising Up a Voice, we're going to be investigating the idea of making disciples. I believe that God has set eternity in the hearts of all men, and we all want to make a difference that lasts even beyond our own lifetimes. In this series, we're going to investigate just how to do that. So listen carefully. For more information on this message or to listen to other teachings, visit us at InvernessCalvary.com. Connect with us for all the latest news on services, events, and more through our website or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks for listening today and God bless you. Continuing this series called Raising Up a Voice, today I want to speak to you a message called A Father's Faith. This whole series is about the church becoming spiritual fathers and mothers. To those who don't know Christ and to those who have recently given their lives to Christ and, and being faithful to take them from that process of, of, of where they are first born again and walking them into their calling. You see, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, the Apostle Paul says this, Though, though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. He's saying, listen, there's not a lot of fathers, not a lot of people who are willing to father people well, to get involved in someone's life, to help someone out, to actually shoulder a burden. And uh, maybe you would think of it in the more classic sense. If you've grown up in church, maybe uh, most of you know that we have a commission from Christ. And in, in the, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28, Jesus says it this way, and Jesus came and spoke to them and says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you even to the end of the age. Now, we believe in this church that it is our responsibility to share the message of the gospel. The gospel simply means the good news. What's the good news? That God is not counting men's sins against them anymore. Why? Because he sent his son to die on a cross to pay the penalty for sin. That he died there, was buried, and on the third day God raised him from the dead. And all who repent and believe will be saved. This is good news. That we do not have to pay the penalty for our sin. God paid it for us. A debt we could not pay. We believe we're to share that message and share how Jesus has changed our life. And yet, uh, the latest statistics say that only 3 out of 10, 31% of actual evangelicals, those who believe it's our responsibility to make disciples, are sharing their faith with anyone in the last 12 months. One person. That means that 7 out of 10 are completely silent. And three out of the ten 
maybe one. So why so much silence? Here's what what I believe. I believe that we need to grow our faith again. That we need to begin to believe again. And as I was, uh, I was, as I was praying and, and, and asking the Lord, I said, Lord, uh, show me the example of faith that you want to talk to us about faith from. So that we can become fathers. And then immediately the Holy Spirit just spoke to me about Abraham. Abraham, this, we, we call him the father of faith or the father of us all. God used this man to demonstrate faith in a, in, in a time that was before the law. In a time that there wasn't clear instruction. God called him out and he demonstrated faith. And we're going to learn some things about faith this morning. And I believe it's going to help us. It's going to help us produce what God wants to produce. Genesis chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, says this. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. It says, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless, the one who will inherit my estate as Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, You've given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. God took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said, so shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and it was credit to him as righteousness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. And Lord, that you would grow us, God. And Lord, that you would awaken us, Lord, to the reality of what you're doing, God. Lord, we not only, Lord, want to be saved, Lord, but we want to be deeply connected to your heart in this hour. And Lord, your heart is moved by those who don't know you. Father, I pray that you would move us in this direction as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Abraham is, or Abram, God changed his name to Abraham, uh, He is called the father of faith because he believed God against incredible circumstances. Now, I believe that there are some basic truths about faith or a father's faith or a mother's faith, a spiritual father's faith that we can learn from Abraham. And we can identify, and there are some stages and some things that I think we need to grab hold of. Even young people in this place, you need faith. You're going to be going back to school. I know you just got out, right? But you're going to be going back to school and, and right in front of you, maybe people who are choosing a different way. Culture is saying, go this way, go that way. And you're wondering, where are all the believers in my generation? You're going to have to know how to walk in faith if you're going to be a spiritual father or mother in your generation. 
Maybe you feel that way every Monday when you go back to work. You're like, man, where are the people who really love God? I I really want to live for God, but where are the people I can run with? We need faith again that God is on the move, that God hasn't given up on us, on America, and on the world. He is moving. The problem isn't God. Because God says, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. The problem is us, is our hearts have grown cold. Our hearts are not in rhythm. We're, we're, we're not in rhythm with what God is saying to us. And so I believe God, by his spirit and by his grace, is cultivating within us a heart of faith. That we are to be the ones who would believe again like Abraham. First thing that you need to know about this basic truth that we can learn from Genesis chapter 15, that a father's faith is based on these three things. First, God speaks. God speaks. As I was going into this, I, 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 th- I thought to myself, how profound that twice, In the same situation, Abraham, Abram at this point, hears God speaking to him. And I I, want to be honest with you that somewhere in church culture, hearing God became weird. It became rare. I've actually heard people, even pastors say, yeah, I'm not one of those that hears God that often. I'm like, oh. I'm like, why? Are you not praying? (laughs) Let me show you the gospel. (laughs) Pastor, you need to get born again. Because hearing God is normal for a believer. I feel like we have to strike that stone. And we have to, we have to hit it till it cracks. Hearing God is normal for a believer. It is abnormal to get silence from heaven. If God is being silent, it's silent for a season, it's because he's drawing you closer. He's saying, come on a journey. Come a little closer. Come a little higher. Then I'll speak to you. That's what he's saying. If he's silent for a season, by the way, heaven is noisy. Heaven is noisy. You've got these angels. They're always talking over God. God is speaking, giving instruction, and they're always around him going, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He's trying to talk. They're talking. You've got elders at the same time throwing crowns, falling down. Crying worthy is the one of all honor and praise. It is a noisy place. By the way, for those of you who like silence, good news, there's 30 minutes in heaven. That's true from the book of Revelation. 30 minutes. God speaks. Genesis 15.1 says, After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Verse 4 says, then the word of the Lord came to him. 
God speaks. And if we look at Abram and soon to be Abraham's life, you see God spoke to Abraham in chapter 12 at his calling. God speaks to Abraham in chapter 13 when he separated from Lot, his nephew. God speaks to him in chapter 15 when God made a covenant with him. And and in 17 when God made the covenant sign of circumcision. And that's where actually he changed his name. Chapter 18, he speaks again when he reveals the timing that Isaac would arrive and the judgment of Sodom. By the way, in the two chapters where God isn't speaking, I believe it's in the moments where Abraham is cleaning up a mess from when he didn't listen to God the very first time that he spoke. God spoke to Abraham. He said, come out from among your family and leave them. And he took Lot. And if you follow Abraham's story, Lot got in a lot of trouble. And Abraham was having to rescue him. Uh, uh, Twice. He's trying to figure it out. And so first time he's carried away and Abraham has to go and rescue him. Second time he's got to get... Get him out of Sodom and Gomorrah, this place that he's chosen to live because he thought it would be a blessing. God is speaking to Abraham over and over and over and over and over again. And God is speaking today. God is speaking today. But the number one question I get, number one by far, is how do I hear God? How do I hear God? I've I've had people recently even come to me and say, well, I don't hear God like you. They really just meant, I I don't hear God. And and I said, well, let me tell you about how you can hear God. Because I actually believe that God is speaking to all of us, but we we don't recognize his voice. Well, how does he speak? First, he speaks through creation. Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 18 says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because he's made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How? being understood from what has been made so people are without excuse. It says all of creation is declaring who God is. God speaks through creation. Matter of fact, we just read in Genesis 15, God took Abraham outside. He said, look up at the stars. They'll speak to you, Abraham. He says, count them. And then God says something kind of funny, if you could. Kind of like, yeah, it's possible, not likely. God speaks through creation. All you have to do is just go and look a little while at everything that God has created. And it's telling you God exists, he's amazing, he's thoughtful, and he's brilliant. It tells you about God. But God speaks to believers a different way. 
In addition to creation, he speaks through his written word. I love this. John 5, 39, it says this. Uh, Jesus says this. You study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that what? Testify about me. He says the scriptures are speaking. They are God speaking. And if you want to know what God is saying, get back to God's word. Get back into that place where you're devouring the word. Do you remember a time when you were hungrier for his word? Maybe you need to think of it like this. Do you remember when you were a teenager and you would stand in front of the fridge looking, possibly cooling yourself, (laughs) saying, there is nothing to eat and I'm so hungry. And your parents are like, there's plenty here. I think that's us in the church That God's just saying, just open the door of grace. I've got all of my word just laid out for you. And we look at that and we just kind of say, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I want to eat that. And then we just go grab the remote. I'll eat this instead. And it's junk food. And then we wonder why when we pray, we can't hear Or what we do here is only what we've been feeding on. God speaks through his written word. 2 Timothy 3, 14 says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know uh, those from whom you learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation Through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. All scripture is God breathed. The word you cannot form a word without breathing. He's saying this is this has the life of God, the wind of God on it. His word will speak to you. And many times of of course the word has a broad sweeping application, but have you ever been reading it and one particular scripture, maybe you've read it 3 400 times. And you read it again. And it's like oh, oh, it's life to you. It's because God speaks through his word. And if we're going to begin to have this faith of a spiritual father, it's because we're going to be familiar with God's voice when he's speaking. People ask me, what does God's voice sound like? It sounds like the Bible and it sounds like you. It sounds like the Bible and it sounds like you. Well, it sounds like the Bible because it is God's word, that which he has already spoken, and it comes through you. Who else is it going to sound like? If you hear another voice, call the office, make an appointment. (laughs) How does God speak? He speaks through creation. He speaks through his written word, which begins to 
form his voice. We get to know his voice and it's good for teaching and rebuking, correcting and training. It's God's breath, his word. But God also speaks through his Holy Spirit. Notice what it says. It says Abraham had a vision. That was given by the Holy Spirit. God speaks through the Holy Spirit. In Acts 2.17, last week we celebrated the, the Feast of Pentecost. It was Pentecost Sunday, the day where the church was initiated, empowered by the Holy Spirit after the resurrection of Christ. 50 days after his ascension. And, and we see, we, we, we see his first ascension, then he ascended again. And 10 days later, the Spirit was poured out. Acts, in Acts 2.17, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit was poured out, this was the explanation given by the Apostle Peter. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out of my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out of my Spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. You see, this um, actually reveals what I call uh, the louder volumes of the Holy Spirit. These are the louder volumes. This is the way that God speaks. And, 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 and the first would be, uh, it falls into two categories. The first is direct language. That means that he just speaks directly to you something and you could uh, certainly repeat it. Uh, that's the way it works for a lot of people who uh, operate in prophecy. God says something to them, and then they say what God is saying. It's direct language. It's very easy to follow. I call that the, like the loudest volume of the Holy Spirit, uh, the internal volume. I mean, if God speaks something audibly to you, that's pretty loud. But the internal volume, that's the loudest one. So if God says something directly to you, that's loud. Easy to follow. But then there's these, these, these other levels of volume that are, I, I call indirect language. And indirect language are dreams, visions, and pictures. Dreams, visions, and pictures. And these, these have to be discerned. These have to be uh, compared to Scripture. These have to be interpreted. It's like when you see a vision, it's something that you see. It's like it's, it's, you're awake and you see this picture, or a moving picture, and God reveals something. That's what Abraham experienced. And so we, we cannot neglect the fact that these things happen. But our knowledge of them is so low is that we don't recognize when those things happen that it's God speaking. Like the dr dreams, for instance, that's the forgotten language of the Holy Spirit. And yet, every Christmas we read about Joseph, he has a dream, and the next morning he's like, Mary, get on the donkey, we're going to Egypt. He moved his whole family because of a dream. Because he knew it was a language of the Holy Spirit. If that happened to you, people would say, you have lost your mind. And maybe you have. God speaks through dreams. He speaks through dreams. All this last week, ever since the day of, of uh, Pentecost on Sunday, every single day I had a spiritual dream. Every single day. Some of them I was wrestling. It was spiritual warfare. Others, it was, uh, it was um, 
revelatory, some personal about uh, my kids and others about the church. Amazing. One of those dreams was um, I, I was in this uh, field, and uh, uh, I was coming into this field, and, and then I saw our, most of our Thursday night intercessors, those people who come to Thursday night prayer, which, by the way, you would have been in my dream if you'd been coming to prayer, and, um, and you're invited. We want you to come. Um, I saw them out, and they were gathered together. And they were, you could tell that they were strategizing and just about to do something significant. I looked down at the, this, this clock. I'm just going to put it this way because dream language looks way different than this. But I see this clock and it's, uh, it's 612. Normally intercessory prayer on Thursday. This, our corporate prayer is from 6 to 7. So in the dream, I knew it was during prayer. I knew it was. And... Um, I, uh, I, 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 I see them there, and I'm like, oh, whoa. I said, man, prayer has already started. And I, I see what they're, they're, they're doing and how they're next to this, what looks to be like a wheat field. And um, as soon as I look up from the clock, um, I heard a starting gun go off. Pow! So loud it woke me up. Like so loud that I thought somebody had legitimately fired a weapon in my neighborhood, which doesn't happen. There's no one around us that fires weapons. And so I got up. I thought, I need to go and check on my neighbors. I'm like looking at their house. Everything's quiet. It's very early in the morning. I check my whole house. I'm looking around. There are no dogs barking. My dog's not barking. Nothing. And then the Lord said, you heard that in the spirit. And I begin to understand that we have been praying that the church would begin to go into God's harvest field. And that it was during prayer that while we were praying that God said, pow, the race has begun. It's started. It's begun. It's begun. The hour is upon us. Now, listen, that dream by itself was powerful. But then a prophet from Africa emailed me. This is all happening this week. It said, while I was, you know, working, all of a sudden I saw a giant wave. Not, not, not like just a, a, a rolling wave, a cresting wave. That was about to crash. And I heard the Lord say, Calvary. And she said, I, I, I'm not real sure uh, uh, about what it means. All I know is that God is about to powerfully answer whatever you've been asking for. Whatever he's been revealing to you. God is about to. I, she, she, it's cresting and it's about to crash. And I'm like, I, I sent back the email. I said, I know exactly what it is. Because God's been speaking this whole week. This is the time. This isn't the message that we can say, oh, good message, pastor. <laughs> Woo. What are we going to eat? 
No, no, no. It's time that we begin to share, that we begin to hear God's voice and hear what he's saying and begin to align our lives with what the Spirit is doing. There are people literally going into eternity every single day. And we have to be moved by it. God is speaking. He's saying it is now the time of the greatest awakening the world has ever seen. I believe very soon we're about to see one billion young people swept into the kingdom. And then what are you going to do with those millennials? What are we going to do with them? We're going to train them up and we're going to release them as voices and God's going to build our faith so that I'm not the only one discipling, but you are and 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 you're raising them up. Why? Because you can hear God. It all starts with hearing God because God speaks. Speaks through creation, his written word, and through the Holy Spirit. The wave is crested. And about to be released. The second truth that a father's faith is based upon is simply this. God speaks. We believe. We believe. We believe. Genesis 15 verse 6 says, Abram believed the Lord. This is sometime after he initially first received the promise that God was going to make him a great nation in Genesis chapter 12. And it's been a while. It's been lingering on. It actually hasn't taken place yet. But here he is believing God. When he looked up at the stars, he believed. And the church again has to be a group of believers. Not a group of maybeers. Maybe we're not convinced anymore. And why aren't we convinced? Romans 10, 17 tells us faith comes by hearing. We're back to that again, aren't we? You say, I don't hear God. Well, there's no reason. That, that's the reason why we don't have faith, because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God's unstopping our ears. And some of us have to turn down the other frequencies in our lives so we can tune him in. You do that through times of prayer and fasting and consecration to God. We have to become a people who believe. And believe is simply defined as this, faith in action. It's not enough to hold a, a set of morals, a set of norms in your life, but you must then act upon what you believe. I give a very simple working definition to faith. And you can write this down, and it may help you. Because it's, it's, it's a little broader stroke than maybe what you've heard in the past. Faith it's confidence in who God is. Confidence in who he says you are. And confidence that he will do what he has said. Faith is confidence in God. Mark eleven twenty two 22 says, have faith in God. Notice it doesn't say have faith in money doesn't say have faith in the economy or have faith in relationships or have faith in people. It is have faith 
in God. We need to have confidence in who he is, that he is good no matter what. He is good no matter what. He is merciful no matter what. I'm telling you, we need to have faith and confidence in who God is, but then we've got to have faith and confidence in who he says we are. A couple chapters later, Abram has a name change to Abraham. Now, there's a really uh, neat connection there that I believe uh, uh, Noah's son, Ham, actually became cursed. And that curse fell on a son named Canaan. And the very land that God gave to Abraham was called Canaan. So when God changed Abram to Abraham, he actually said, by the way, everything that was lost back then, I'm going to allow you to restore it and receive it. It's the goodness of God. But he goes from a pretty good name. Abram means patriarch or exalted father. To a really good name, father of many nations. So that every time someone called his name while he was still waiting... On the son of promise, he heard father of many nations. What is God speaking about you to you that is hard to believe? That you look around at your circumstance, you're like, I don't, why do you keep calling me that? We need to believe what God is saying to us about us. That's faith. That's faith. Oh, you know, we, we say things, oh, I could never be this. Or, uh, you know, me and the big man got some things worked out. No, you don't. <laughs> you think you do. <laughs> we really don't. He's God. We just submit to him and we walk with him. And I want to encourage you that faith is not only knowing who God is and growing in that area, but it's actually It's actually saying yes to what he says about you. Because some some people in here are like, when's he ever going to stop talking about becoming a spiritual father? As soon as we start doing it. Because you're like, that's just not me. Yes, it is. It's what the Lord is saying about you. Can you believe it? But it's not only that. It's also confidence that God will do what he has said. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's a scriptural definition. definition. This is kind of what faith is. But what, how does faith behave? How does it operate? That's found in Hebrews 11.6. It says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. We must believe that he is and that he will will move. God will move when the church believes again. Let me put it to you this way. Do we come on a Sunday morning? Do we invite a friend? Do we speak to someone at the gym or uh, in the supermarket knowing that God's about to move in their life? You know, when you show up in someone else's life, it's supposed to be a move of God. 
because he'll move through you. Is the church believing that many people will find forgiveness and find their home in Christ? Are we believing? Do we believe that if we pray, he will hear us and then move? Even in the waiting, like Abraham. We have this voice that sometimes comes up within us. Well, Pastor, you, you, you don't understand my circumstance. It would take a miracle. The author of that kind of statement is unbelief. Because what you're really saying, and miracles are so rare you shouldn't believe for them. I kind of think everything that God does is a miracle. Everything that he does is miraculous. He's a supernatural God. And we need to believe in him. Now, uh, I, I, I want to give you a quote from Pastor Stephen Furtick. He said this, Often when it comes to the realm of faith, we hear things we cannot see yet. We hear things we cannot see yet. That means God may speak something to you and there may be a delay on it actually coming to pass. For Abraham, 25 years. 25 years of waiting and believing and making some mistakes along the way. Agreeing to Father Ishmael when God wanted to give him Isaac. Our realm of faith, we have to hear what God is saying and believe it and take that position. You see, our faith has to survive three things. It has to survive invisibility. When God speaks something and you can't see it and all your circumstances around you look like they are opposed to it, it has to survive that stage of invisibility, and it will. It will if you hold on, if you believe. It has to survive invisibility. Then it, then it has to survive insignificance. It has to survive being small. You saw God using you in some certain way and it looked big. God showed you the finished product. He didn't show you what you were going to be starting with and that feels insignificant. And most of the time when God starts to move, it starts small because that, remember, that's how we pour water on the hands of the Father, by doing small things. Jesus told us that in Luke chapter 16, being faithful in small things. And your faith has to survive insignificant small things because if you are faithful in small things, God will make you ruler over much. Your faith has to survive smallness, but most of the time we're like, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? We just throw it away. And God says, no, 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 no. You hold on. You believe. You believe. You stand and believe. And then the last thing, if, if, if the devil can't get you to stop in the stage of invisibility or insignificance, he tries to stop you with intimidation. He says things like, don't you know who you are? You can't do that. You, you really think you 
And this intimidating voice comes against us. And faith will always have to go up against intimidation. But when intimidation comes, lift your eyes off of intimidation and then look at God and all of a sudden intimidation looks small. You'll be like, <laughs> you'll be like those in heaven who are walking by Satan and says, is this the man that weakened the nations? It's this the one in Satan? This guy did the, all that damage? When you have faith in God and you really believe you can overcome intimidation, the last truth is that a father's faith is based on, is this, God moves. When God speaks and we believe, this is the truth. God moves. Hebrews 11.6, it says and that he, God, is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. When we seek God and we seek his purposes, God moves. Let me, let me say it to you this way so, so you can uh, understand how to practically apply this. Our part is the natural part. God's part is the supernatural part. Our part is the natural part. His part is the supernatural part. For instance, we preach. We share the gospel. We share our testimony. We do that. What does he do? He saves. He draws people. He changes lives. Uh, how, how about this? This is very simple. Um, we lay hands on people. In prayer, if you're not familiar with that statement, we pray for people, and oftentimes we lay hands on them. We lay hands, he heals. Our part is very natural. It's just very simply, his part is to heal. Our part is natural, his part supernatural. We believe he moves. He's supernatural. Romans 4.17 says this of God. It says, as, as it is written, speaking of Abraham, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Listen, in whom he believed. This is talking about God. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. That's our God who gives life to the dead. And actually be, brings things into existence that weren't existing before. See, our part's natural. His is supernatural. What do we have to do? We have to hear. and We have to believe. And God will move. I do want to say this. It may take longer than you and I want some of the time. But God will be right on time. Let me say it to you another way. Maybe you're here and you don't have faith in Christ. Let me, let me share with you really how this works for you. God speaks. And there's a conviction, a drawing in your own heart. You believe. And then the supernatural happens. All things become new. That's what takes place. And that is the heart of a father who says, God, when you speak to me, I'm going to believe. 
when I believe you're going to move. And I believe many will be born again if we'll simply embrace the faith of a father. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast, Raising Up a Voice. I believe God is going to use each one of us to raise up the next generation to follow hard after Christ. Our prayer for you is that you accept God's invitation to live this supernatural lifestyle of imparting the grace and the power of God to the next generation. Please, if this message has had an impact on you, take time to connect with us and share what God is doing in your life through this ministry. You can connect with us through our website, InvernessCalvary.com, or by following us on Twitter and Facebook. Thanks again for listening to this message, and God bless.